Has anyone seen the stage play Hamilton? Has anyone? Last night. How good was it? The best. Uh, has anyone seen it on? Like, so not many people, obviously. You've seen it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Disney Plus have it as well. It is so worth seeing. It is amazing. Uh, we went this week and we went and saw it as a live performance in the city. Um, and I'm not going to spoil the show because it is incredible. It's all about American history. So if you don't have any clue about American history, um, it's, it's what it's all about, American history. I had no idea who Hamilton was. I thought it was a place rather than a person. Um, so I, I didn't know a thing. But it's about an immigrant orphan named Alexander Hamilton. And he took his chances um, when they came to him. He saw a chance and he'd take them. He'd just take his chances. And uh, he's, the, the guy that was opposed to him, he's sort of nemesis, I suppose, he, uh, he didn't take his chances. When it, when it sort of came to the crunch, his nemesis sort of didn't stand for anything. So Alexander Hamilton, though, he would, he would sing this thing. He'd go, I'm not, gonna th- I'm not throwing away my shot, he says. I'm not throwing away my shot. He's got one shot. I'm not throwing away my shot. And he moves recklessly at times forward to what he believed in, sometimes to the detriment of his own family, his own life even the ones he loved the most. As we've been sort of exploring through this morning, we've come off two years that have been pretty tough. Pretty tough in, in church, in church circles. Much of the narrative within church leadership and leadership of the church, in church circles, through pastor discussions that I've had, um, through things that I've read, um, is, and especially through the, the middle of lockdowns, was that perhaps this is a time to sing that same song that Alexander Hamilton was singing, Let's not throw away our shot. A meaning that, that COVID has, had a, has given us a chance to reset, to restart, to redefine, to start again, to change how we see church, to unhinge what we've known. There's a narrative that was saying we can't go back to church as it was It's all changed, so let's not throw away our shot at this. So that was much of the narrative, but I'm not convinced. I'm actually not convinced with that. Coming through two years of a lot of those conversations, how do we do church differently? How do we change things? Do we change things? What do we do with church? I'm not convinced that throwing out the past in order to rebrand the future is what is needed for the community right now. We've lived with such upheaval in the past two years that I think we need some stability. Perhaps things won't always look the same. Church doesn't look the same now as it did 50 years ago, mostly. Some things are the same, but mostly. We might need to do things differently, and even last week we announced... Uh, You saw me sitting in front of a beautiful brook and just enjoying the sort of scenery you would have seen if you were here last week. You would have seen me on a video um, talking about how we're looking at helping Upway Baptist uh, Church to to, to help them as they sort of struggle coming out of COVID. Change happens. Change is inevitable. Change sometimes is hard. But the results of the Church Life Survey that we just recently did have come back this week. 
And one statistic was very telling, and it said that 77% of the people who took part in the survey said that they were willing to support new initiatives of KSBC. I think that's fantastic. That's a huge amount of people. 77%. It tells me there are plenty of people who are willing to see something new, something different, and seeing God move in new ways in and through the church. But resetting the future doesn't necessarily mean throwing out the past. So this morning I titled the sermon, Stepping Back into Community. Stepping back in terms of not, not going backwards, but remembering the past steps that have got us to where we are today. Stepping back into, stepping back into, into meaning a place where we've not been for a while. And a lot of, a lot of what we heard there was, was not about a church service, it was about community. Stepping back into the community, not the church but into the community of God's people. Not the the form of church, the way that we sing a song and share some announcements, preach a message and and, uh, some sort of challenge at the end that hopefully you'll go out and live a different different way, a Christ-like way. The form of church, however, should not, that's the stuff, should not outweigh the function of the church. The function being that through our services and through our weekly gatherings, through the different things that we do, that the community of believers, us, you at home, would find God. That's got to be the function of church. The form, how we do church is reasonably important, but the function, why we do church, is so much more. We can't let the form overwrite the function. The form can help the function for sure, yet when the form overwrites the function, then perhaps that's when we need to start to readdress what we're doing and why we're doing it. So we've done this over the past few years online, and it's that, that sort of online, we, we had to redefine what church was, wasn't it? We had to uh, scramble, didn't we, Joss, that first week? I remember that first week, um, we got the bands up here and we recorded a whole lot of songs because we thought we may not be here for the next however many weeks. And so we did that. We had this mad scramble. And it was incredible. It's incredible ingenuity. So thanks, Joss, um, in doing that. And, and we had to do things the best we could for that time. There was no other options. But as we've heard this morning, it's not the same thing as doing community here together. Rubbing shoulders with one another. Sharing the everyday stories that can help us to love, care and support one another on our faith journey. So this morning we're going to step back into community. Because God designed us to be in community. If we're to step through the pages of Scripture, we'd find community formed in three ways. First, we find um, community formed through the Jewish nation. The Old Testament nation of Israel shows up a, a group of people who were formed to live, to wander, and to sort of conquer within community. God addressed the whole Israelite community when he said, Now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant... Then out of all nations, you'll be my treasured, um, treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be, for me, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are God's people. He's talking to the whole nation. Not one person, not a couple of individuals that stood out. The whole nation. 
You know, God's people were given some laws to help them learn how to live well. You've probably heard of them, the Ten, the commandments, the Ten Commandments. They, they were, were not a list of restrictions to a nation designed to be controlled. But rather, they're a set of instructions that helped the Israelite nation to understand how to relate to one another, how to respect one another, and how also to relate to God together as a community. It was also helpful for knowing how to live well in community. God gave them parameters to work with so that as they wandered in the desert, as they fought battles, as they entered into the land that was promised to them, they did it not as an individual, they did it as a whole, one community. They exited Egypt together. They wandered the desert together and they entered the promised land together. The second place we see it is in the Jerusalem church. In Acts chapter 2 that Anne read to us this morning, we get a glimpse of the emergence of the church just after Jesus ascends to heaven. And at the end of Luke's gospel, Jesus had told them that, that they were to wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Holy Spirit. They waited, and then this happened. When the day of Pentecost come, came, they were all together in one place. They were together, all together. They gathered still. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. As they waited for this promised Holy Spirit... I can imagine the believers who had seen, walked, and touched with the, the risen Jesus, not just Jesus before death, the risen Jesus. I can imagine them telling stories, eating a meal together, sharing of what that, was, that time meant for them. I can imagine the two that had walked the road back to Emmaus and broke bread with Jesus in the house, being in, that, in the room with them, going, He was there with us. He told us the stories. He opened our eyes. I'm sure they were there with eager anticipation. When's this gift coming? <laughs> I'm sure there have been times of doubt. But in community together, the stories of God's goodness overweighed that doubt. Verse 1 here reiterates that they, the disciples, those that were waiting for the return of Christ, they were all in one place. They were all together. They were working this confusing time out together. Then when Pentecost hit, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. None were discriminated against. They were all filled. It was community being community together. Everyone there was working towards the same purpose. And together they experienced God in a, in a brand new way. A way that had never been experienced before. It might have been confusing for many of them. Maybe they didn't understand. Maybe they were scared. It might have been confronting. Some people thought they were walking around drunk because they were speaking in different languages. Yet together they were experiencing God in new ways. Later on in Acts chapter 2, this same group of people then devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. They had everything in common and sold property and possessions to give to anyone in need. They went to the temple courts together. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They did all of this in the confines of community. And at the end of the passage, it tells us that the community continued to grow. Why wouldn't it? As a community that was genuinely caring for one another, 
radically pursuing God together, enjoying one another, why wouldn't it grow? Why wouldn't you want to be around that sort of a, a community? It's reiterated in Acts 4, verse 32. All the believers were one in heart and mind. They shared everything they had. This was a tight community. This is a community that grew in faith and grew numerically as well. Then we move on to the third group, and we find the New Testament church. And that community was formed and nurtured through the founding fathers like Paul, who helped not only form the church, but also helped these churches to navigate tough times through his letters. And the church grew as a community of God's people, and they became responsible for the rest of God's people. They were expected to love, to be generous, to encourage one another, to live in unity together. Hebrews 10, 24-25 says, Let us consider how we may spur one another towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, all the more as you see the day approaching. God has formed the Israelite people to be in community. All the way through their history, they were called to be together. And God's also calling us the same for the same to be in community together. Community meets our basic human need for belonging. It it didn't take God long to realize that Adam needed someone with him. We're created as relational beings. And coming back to community fulfills God's longing for his people to be together. So as I reflected on this same question that I asked you this morning... The thing that I've noticed most, or the thing that I've been blessed about most, especially about coming back after lockdown, would be for me the importance of small conversations. Small conversations in the street that you find out that someone's got cancer. The small conversations uh, at the milk bar or at the shopping centre that you you realise that someone's struggling or that there's an anniversary that's to celebrate. When we come back into church, I've realised the importance of that 25 metres from the door to the auditorium. The important conversations that happen through there. The incidental comments that tell us how someone is going. It's the joy of hearing stories of how the grandkids are doing or, or the highs and lows of entering into a new home. It's the stories of faith amidst the hardships the opportunities to pray, it all happens out in the foyer. And I'm only too aware, over the past two years, we've missed that. Not being in church meant that we didn't experience that, that, that small time of sharing running through the foyer. I know when there were just five of us streaming in here, and there was a stage where it, was the same, it had to be the same five week in, week out for a while, um, we became close. We got to know each other. We prayed for each other. We heard stories about how our families were going. We expressed joy of being able to be out of our home and beyond our five kilometres. <laughs> it was our little community every Sunday. Now, we know that, that community is not the only reason for coming to church. We're here to honour God, and the form of worship that we use is important in that as well. Yet we honour God through our deeper community that we connect into in the fellowship. 
Whether that be on a Sunday morning at church, whether that be on a Sunday night at church, whether that be uh, through youth group, whether that be through the children's ministry, whether that be through a connect group, whether that be through a friendship group that you meet together, um, the, the Max group, the Friday group, whatever it is, we honour God when we connect deeper with one another. It might even just be a dinner with some friends or someone new to the church that you haven't met before. I want to finish here this morning by telling you about uh, a connect group that Solara and I have connected into. And we felt, uh, even in its, in its very embryonic stage, uh, a real sense of deepening community. There are three families in our group. And there are, there are some important factors that are already making it a place where we find deeper community. And I'm hoping some, especially families, might be able to link into something like this as well in their own ways. First, it takes a commitment. So we've committed that every Saturday night we will come together... We've got to set time. Um, we respect those times so that we don't overstay our welcome, although we probably did that a little last night. <laughs> Carlton was playing, so Jace wanted to watch the footy. <laughs> so. We eat a meal together. We, we love to have dinner. Everyone's got to eat, so we eat a meal together. Eating a meal, though, opens other conversations, doesn't it? We all know that eating a meal together opens conversations. If you eat a meal, if you go to... That's why cafes are so popular, because we go to a cafe and we've got something in front of us, so it's not awkward just sitting there talking. You've got something to do. Eating a meal is really important, and it starts to bring out questions of, hey, what have you done in the past? What, where have you been? What have you been thinking recently? We take it in turns in feeding the troops, so it's not a burden on any one family. So um, it's fantastic. We eat a meal. And then we have a study... And the study, we're all families, we've all got our kids. So the study is with everyone involved, not just the parents. We don't ship the kids off, all right, guys, can you go there so we can do the serious stuff now? Everyone's involved in the discussion. We share. Uh, we share the load of who's running the study, so it isn't overtaxing for any one person. But we're already seeing the, the kids are engaging and asking questions and giving amazing responses. We pray together, and the kids are invited to be a part of it. It's full family discipleship, and I am absolutely loving it. I don't say this is the only way to do groups, but families, if you want to grab two, it's just three families, just grab two other families and say, hey, why don't we explore this? Come and speak to myself. Come and speak to uh, Emma and Doug about it. Um, they've sort of brought that into our sort of culture here through um, stuff that they've done up in Darwin. Have a chat about it. But the commitment, food, Study and prayer have already given us this strong foundation for growing a little community where we are faithfully sharing together every Saturday night. And I feel blessed because of it. Community is so vital. We can debate the form of church, but the form isn't valid unless we've got growing community. 33 years of community of this church is what we're celebrating today. We're celebrating the youngest to the oldest. And as we look into the future, as we seek to honour God into the future of KSBC, my hope is that we will not give up meeting together. May that be on a Sunday or whatever day. May we be a church that is less caught up in the form of church, but rather seek to be people of the function of the church, to be in community with God and to be in community with one another. Let me pray. Our Lord and God, we give you thanks and praise that you are good. You've been good over 33 years of this church. 
from the very embryonic stages where um, you spoke to a few people to say, let's plant a church in Kilsyth South, to where you've brought it to now, the faithful people who have um, blessed it over the many years. We give you thanks and praise. And we ask, Lord, that as we lead into uh, a post-COVID world, whatever that might look like, we pray that we may be faithful to community, that we may be faithful to what you've put deep inside each of us, that we will see you grow this community of people in new ways. We thank you, Lord. Amen.